and welcome to The Ringer MLB Show. My name is Ben Lindbergh. I'm a writer for TheRinger.com. And on the other line, undrafted free agent, Michael Bauman. Well, that's not strictly true, actually, because well, the, the Michael Bauman I'm currently talking to is an undrafted free agent. Yeah, I get to live out your worst nightmare on this podcast, talking to Mike Bauman about college baseball. So this is... <laughs> That's right. This will all be explained in, in just a couple minutes. We're going to get to a guest and then we'll play a little game. But before that, a bit of banter. And I want to say congratulations to the... Real quick before you get to your question. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to the Chicago White Sox for, I think, mm. getting a steal in Michigan State left-hander Joe Mockby in the 29th round. Saw a little bit okay. of him when uh, against Ohio State and in the Big Ten tournament a couple years ago. He could pitch a little bit. It could be a useful, you know, useful org arm. Maybe, maybe make it up to the majors. So uh, mm. that's my my third day steal of the draft. All right, flashing your scouting eye on the podcast. I like it. So one real baseball question for you: You power ranked every team on the Ringer.com yesterday. This yeah. is something you do at periodic intervals throughout the season. First of all, let me ask. Ask you what your power ranking philosophy is, because there's the retrospective power rank when you're ranking how good a team has been. There's the looking forward power rank when you're just looking at projections, how good you think they will be or will end up being. What are you aiming for? I think I lean a little bit more on the side of looking forward because the last time I did this was early May and the Cubs were bad then. And I think I ranked them second or third. I mean, I didn't think they were bad. They were like around 500 like they are now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I guess, you know, how how good I think the team will be going forward. I think we're getting a part of the season right now where even in cases that aren't as extreme as like the Giants, for instance, were a top 10 team for me going into the season. Now they're Mm -hmm. bottom five or so. Like even in cases that aren't that extreme, I'm I'm starting to reevaluate how I'm ordering all these teams. So, you know, the Cubs and the the Indians both dropped a lot, uh, for instance, because, you know, eventually – like we're all, we're almost halfway through the season. Eventually, you can't keep going on preseason hype. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I wanted to ask you. What was the hardest team to rank? What was the one that you agonized over the most, or felt least confident about when you placed it somewhere? Uh, I think the Rangers. The toughest part of this, I think the the Rangers are the toughest team, but they're part of this. At the time I was doing them, there were 12 teams that were within two games of a playoff spot in the American League. And like the back half of that, it's just all parsing what you like about one team versus another. Like the Twins are are in a good position for a playoff spot right now compared to the Mariners. But I think the Mariners have more talent, but they're all hurt. And I think the, the Rangers, I've just had a hard time. They're a team that I've historically over the past like three or four years liked a lot, but mm-hmm. just their pitching is really weird. Lucroy's not hitting, Odor's not hitting. Those were guys that you really ought to have been able to count on. And I'm still like, I got burned by Nomar Mazzara a little bit last year, and I wrote about him a little bit. And I'm mm-hmm. not really sure if I could trust him. So they were, you know, I ranked them 16th and, you know, that's just, they could have been as high as 12 or as low as 20 something, uh, just mm-hmm. depending on which one of those American League pseudo contenders you really like. It was just, and it's weird that there isn't real, that there isn't that much separation in the American League. It just makes it hard to look at the standings and then sort of project because like all these teams are deeply flawed and yet they're not so flawed that they fall out of the race the way pretty much everybody in the National League has. Yeah. All right. You wanted to salute one of your childhood favorites for a moment? 
Yeah, Carlo. Well, I don't know if salute's the right word. Uh, <laughs> Carlos Ruiz, who is a, a favorite Philly of mine, I have no idea how he recorded an out when he when he pitched on. I guess it would be Tuesday night. Yeah, um, yeah. There are some guys who like it's awesome, and everybody loves Chooch. But like, there are some position players who are who look like they're well suited to pitching, and like you could tell within two or three pitches that he wasn't. And yeah. It was, what was the stuff like while you're flashing your your scouting knowledge? Uh, the stuff was like 78, 83. And like <laughs> some guys, I was at a, like probably the best live Major League Baseball experience ever for me was not actually not last last year's World Series. It was a 19 inning game between the Phillies and the Reds in 2011, where Wilson Valdez came in and got the win for the Phillies. And he was like 90, 91 with the slider. And like, this was not that. And (laughs) like, he was so, he wasn't fast enough to, to like, for hitters to actually treat him like a real pitcher, but he wasn't like slow or funky enough that it threw them off and it was just batting practice. And that game could have gotten even, even uglier than it did. Not very projectable. What was the, the final was 20, 20 to seven. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds like the score of a game in which Ruiz might pitch. So that makes sense. All right. Well, we have a guest, Michael Bauman. I present to you, Michael Bauman, who was drafted with the 98th overall pick in the third round by the Baltimore Orioles. Hey, Michael, congratulations. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Are you a Mike or a Michael? I went by Michael growing up, but now that I'm older, I started switching to Mike and kind of started going from there, kind of turned into Big Mike. So, Ooh, uh, big That's Mike. good. Yeah. So what <laughs> went into that change? Because that's something that I've had a, a similar uh decision to make as, as I've grown up too. So, you know, yeah. what's your thought process behind going from Michael to Mike? He got bigger than you did, I guess, which yeah. <laughs> made it easier. Uh, no, it's just kind of what my coaches started calling me in high school and I kind of carried it over to college. And now it's just easy to say when people say, do you go by Michael or Mike? I just kind of made up my mind and say Mike. Mm-hmm. Cool. So give us a, a scouting report on you uh, for, for people who haven't seen you or read about you yet. I'm a big guy. I'd say power arm with developing slider. It's my second best pitch and continuing to work on a curveball and changeup as well. So one thing that interested me about you is that you went to Jacksonville University in Florida, but you grew up in Minnesota. So how do you end up at at Jacksonville growing up in Minnesota? Uh, We actually have a pipeline up there. We have a couple guys from Wisconsin, uh, history with some Minnesota guys. A big local guy named Chris Anderson. And so our coach came up here and recruited me, saw me, and never really heard of Jacksonville University, to be honest with you. And um, I went down and visited and fell in love with it. And obviously the weather was a huge bonus. Yeah, I was going to ask if you missed snow after, because I grew up up north and went to college in the south too. And there was a point where I missed snow. You had, you know, obviously a lot of it, but did you ever get to that point? Um, Honestly, yeah. You know, I love Minnesota. I'm here right now. It just kind of makes me realize how beautiful it is up here. And I get to go home for three weeks in the winter, and now I say I love snow leading up to Christmas and New Year's, and after that, I'm ready to get back home, back down to Florida. So you're going back up north eventually into the into the Orioles system. Uh, how much do you, I guess, sort of scope out potential landing places? I mean, I imagine you have an advisor and and you're in talks with teams regarding stuff like you know how much money you might be asking for in a signing bonus. But you know, do you have like oh, I'd like to go to this place or I'd like to go to that place or is it just I want to get drafted and I want to get drafted as high as possible? Yeah, I mean, it's just a great opportunity to be able to play professional baseball and I think I'm blessed to be able to not be a part of such a great organization with Baltimore. 
Baltimore, and um, we're going to go from there. And, you know, I, can't, I couldn't be more happier. Did you have any inkling of where or when you were going to go in the draft? Were you surprised at all? Yeah, I actually had no idea leading into the draft. Um, you know, I, I had a couple guys reach out to me, but it, they didn't really say, you know, we'll take you here, we'll take you there. So I was kind of surprised when I got picked. Mm. Were the Orioles one of those teams? Had, had you seen their scouts around or, or known they were interested in you? Yeah, I saw I saw the area scout around a couple of games. I met him before the season, but, you know, he respectfully just kind of let me be throughout the season, didn't reach out much. And, you know, I've been talking to him and he's been doing, he's, he's a great guy. And, you know, so far it seems great. Did you have any idea of, you know, you were on top 100 lists and stuff, but did you have any idea of where you might go or were you just sort of feeling that out as you got to day two of the draft? Yeah, my advisor said two to four. So I tried not to get my hopes up and for the first day started getting to, but you know, I, I wanted to go as soon as possible, just like most guys. And so we're, we're seeing the two to four range. You said try not to get your hopes up. So how how effective were you at not getting your hopes up on, on Monday night? Well, I, you know, I wanted to go, but you know, I didn't want to let myself down in case it didn't happen. So what do you, you know, what do you do while you're waiting around to get drafted? Did you have trouble sleeping Sunday, Monday night? You know, what did you do? Were you in front of the TV or were you out off doing something else trying to take your mind off it? Well, leading up to the draft, I couldn't wait for it to start. And then once it started the first night on Monday, you know, we started watching it. I started getting anxious. There's so much commotion going around. You know, I actually left the house until the draft was over. And then second day came around. Uh, we, we still started watching the draft, even though I was advised not to watch the draft. That was advice from, you know, previous guys. And But once I saw my name called, it was, it was like a dream come true. It was a blast. Everyone started going crazy. It was awesome. How many people did you have with you? Was it just close family and friends, or did you have a big group? Yeah, it was close family and friends, probably about 15, 20 people. Mm-hmm. And so what is the call like? The phone rings, you, you pick up, who's on the other end, and, and what does that person say? Well, I actually got picked before I got a call. So ah, okay. You know, we, we, yeah, so we saw, saw my name on TV, saw the guy say my name, and that's when everyone jumped up. I couldn't believe it. And then, you know, I got a call later on just saying, hey, welcome, and kind of some more details after that. So it was, it was definitely a surprise. You were drafted previously, right? Before you uh, went to Jacksonville, much lower down. So what was that like, or how was that different from, from this time? And how did you make the decision to go to school instead of signing then? Uh, well, it was a cool experience. The first time is, you know, hometown team is actually on my graduation day in high school. So it was a huge moment. You know, on both sides, you guys are in high school, but I knew for sure I was going on to Jacksonville University. So this moment was definitely a lot more real and a lot more exciting, a lot more emotional too. Mm-hmm. So there's, you talked about the pipeline from Minnesota and Wisconsin to Jacksonville, and there's a little bit of a, a pipeline from Jacksonville to Baltimore between their third rounder last year, Austin Hayes and Adam Walker, who took sort of a securitus route, but he's in the the Orioles system now. Have you heard from either of them? You know, I know you didn't play with uh, with Adam Walker, but have you gotten anything from, from those guys as to what you might expect? Yeah, I've heard from Brett Walker throughout the offseason. Uh, he's, he's great to have around down in Jacksonville. He's really good with our guys. And then I've, I've heard a lot from Hayes. You know, I actually played with him. He's like a brother to me. So he's been a great support system, great friend. And, you know, we've been talking back and forth a little bit. Mm-hmm. You still have to work out contract stuff, but do you uh, have any hopes or expectations about when or where you might get started? No, I don't think I figured that out yet, but looking looking forward to start wherever they want me. 
Well, you two guys are going to be battling over the Michael Bauman Google results for years I was, to come. I was about to say that. My mom's got a, a Google alert for Mike <laughs> Bauman baseball, and you're just going to absolutely destroy it. Uh, once you get up in the high minors, certainly. No, I, I got to say, I laugh whenever I see people tweeting at you and you say, oh, congrats, son. It's funny. It cracks me up. I, I, I'm trying to think of something to say back. So, Yeah, I've, I, got, I got a huge follower burst yesterday when you went off. The board. Like a whole bunch of people really disappointed that that I'm not uh going to the Orioles system. So you had so like you know, college baseball, there's not really a bad program in, in the state of Florida just because there's so much talent there and there's so much attention paid to the game. But Jacksonville, you know, it's it's not one of the bigger programs, but you had the opportunity to play against Florida State a couple times and and you know take your shot at the the bigger programs. What was that experience like as sort of the underdog going into you know games against a team like Florida State? Oh, it's awesome for, for sure. You know, being able to see you know teams that you grew up watching on TV, and then but once you get there, you know you can compete small schools like us, and then other ASUN schools like Florida Gulf Coast, Stetson. You know, we we can compete against Florida and Florida State and you know it's definitely a blast and you know for small school we definitely like to see we have an up-and-coming program which has been due to a great great job by our coaches. Who's the best hitter you've ever faced at at any level you think? Best hitter? You know I faced Logan Warmoth last summer but also, you know, Austin Hayes and Inishbach, he's, 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 a, he's a beast. Yeah, right. And he's in the Orioles system too, right? Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm a, you know I'm, he's definitely a guy I want on my team. Mm-hmm. Do you have other teammates from this year, recent years, who got drafted high up or, or are doing well in the minors already? Um, last year, a good buddy of mine, JJ Gould, he's with the Marlins organization. I'm hoping Sam Armstrong... He, he was my roommate, freshman and sophomore. I'm hoping to see his name called later today. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I guess that Michael, you can keep Michael and, and Mike will keep Mike or he'll keep that Big Mike. That feels like a good way to keep people from getting confused. So we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah, work with no that. One. <laughs> right. Sure. <laughs> Maybe you guys can switch roles at some point and Big Mike can host the podcast and, I don't think and the Michael can yeah, pitch in the Oreo system. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, Mike, thanks for coming on and indulging us with the the double-barreled Bauman action. It's uh, good to talk to you and and congratulations again. Good luck. Yeah, thank you again and thanks for having me. I didn't want to say this while the other Michael Bauman was on the line because I didn't want to put him in the position of having to respond to it. But if you're a college starter, I would think that the Orioles would be... Man, I I, like tried to hint at that. Like, I mean, obviously he's not going to actually say anything, but like I was so jazzed that... I was so jazzed that that he got picked like in the top 100 and then I was like oh you went to the Orioles and I can you know pressure our our editor yeah. Mallory Rubin who's a, the biggest Orioles fan that I know maybe she might be the biggest uh, Orioles fan anybody knows that you know she's got to get a Mike Bauman jersey once he gets to the majors <laughs> and then I thought which should be by September or so at yeah, the rate the Orioles um, rotation is pitching well, the the way they develop pitchers and like he's a guy, you know, he said his secondary stuff's developing and that sort of jives with the stuff I've read about him that like the body is there and the velocity is there and like the, the secondary stuff needs to needs to come. And like the Orioles have a reputation for taking really polished 
amateur pitchers and just backing them up. And I'm <laughs> a little nervous for for my proud son, Mike Bauman. Yeah, so. he's, he'll struggle for a while and then Theo will trade for him right, and that's... all will be well. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's somewhat concerning. But if you, if you want to go to a team that has a quick path to the majors, Orioles starter, that is a, a real growth industry. So let me ask you this. I know that you are not in this biz for the fame, but are you pulling for Michael Bauman because you feel a kinship with his name? Or be honest, is there a part of you that is worried about being in the shadow of the other Bauman if he does make it to the big leagues and of spending the rest of your life getting tweets meant for Michael Bauman, the pitcher? So there's a recently retired MLB.com writer who I think we brought yes. him up on the podcast, Mike Bauman with one N, who right. I got, spelled differently. Yeah, who got I got confused with. So I think I'm pulling for him. I mean, particularly now that we've talked to him, it's like, you know, you name the, the lobster in the lobster tank at the restaurant and you can't eat it. Like, yeah. you know, now that I've talked to him, it's hard hard to root against him. But he's got a long way to go. I I checked because um, at least one outlet confused my Twitter account for his. And I'm, I've right. got like 20 times more followers than he does. So he says he cracks his knuckles into the microphone. <laughs> uh, so, you know, yeah. you got let's get out of low A before we start talking about who's the... <laughs> <laughs> the more famous Mike Bauman in baseball. He's just got to make it to the show and he will close that follower gap pretty quickly. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors and we'll be back to play a game. Getting a good night's sleep is easier said than done. I don't think it's even easy to say it. And that's especially true when you think you've just heard a noise downstairs. Think about it. What do you do in that situation? You could turn on all the lights and keep watch. You could check your kids' beds every hour, sleep with one eye open, or you can rest easy, knowing that your home and family are protected with Simply Safe. When you install your Simply Safe home security system, you're arming your home with powerful sensors that actually tell you if a door opens or if a window breaks. There's a 105 decibel siren that alerts you at the first sign of trouble, and a dedicated team of security professionals watching over you 24-7, ready to send the police. With Simply Safe, there are no long-term contracts, and around-the-clock monitoring is only $14.99 a month. So don't spend another night second-guessing your home's safety. Get Simply Safe and get some rest. Go to simplysafe.com slash ringer and get a special 10% discount when you order today. Again, that's simplysafe.com slash ringer for 10% off your order. I also want to tell you about Dollar Shave Club, the smarter choice. Get a great shave at a great price, conveniently delivered right to your door. It's an awesome life hack and a no-brainer choice. You no longer have to schlep to the store to either buy a cheap disposable razor that gives you a cheap shave or spend a fortune on razors with gimmicky shaving tech you don't need. When you use your Dollar Shave Club executive razor with their Dr. Carver Shave Butter, the blade just gently glides, giving you such a smooth shave. Dr. Carver Shave Butter is transparent for a more precise shave. It helps prevent ingrown hairs and fights razor bumps. So you too can make the smarter choice by joining Dollar Shave Club. For a limited time, new members get their first month of the Executive Razor with a tube of Dr. Carver Shave Butter for only $5 with free shipping. And after that, razors are just a few bucks a month. That's a $15 value for only 5 bucks. In your first month's box, you get a weighty handle, a full cassette of four cartridges, and a tube of shave butter. And after your first month, replacement cartridges ship automatically at their regular price. There are no hidden fees and no commitments. You can cancel anytime you like. And you can only get this offer exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com slash mlbshow. Again, that's Dollar Shave club.com slash MLB show. All right, let's get back to the baseball. 
right. So we are going to play a little game right now that we are stealing from Sam Miller of ESPN with permission. And it is called, Is This Reliever Currently Good? And he did not define the game beyond speculating that the rules would be that one person names a reliever and the other person guesses if he's currently good. This reminds me of the game that Andy McCullough and Pedro Mora have been playing recently on Sports Writers Blues, the LA Times baseball podcast, which is reliever or fictional person. And their success rate on that has, has been pretty shaky, which I can't blame Not them unlike for. a game that we've played on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, but I think that the reason that we are all wanting to play this game is that there are way too many relievers to <laughs> keep track just because teams are still using pitchers for shorter and shorter outings and every team is carrying 13 pitchers now, it seems like. And if you look at how many relievers have actually pitched this year, there have been so far this season 409 major league pitchers who've gotten at least one outing in relief. If we go back 20 years to the simpler days of 1997, the full season, 419 relievers. So we are now about 40% of the way through the season, and we are 10 relievers short of 20 years ago, full season total. Of course, there were 28 teams at that time, but also guys were going in deeper into games and relievers were pitching longer outings. Anyway, there's no way that anyone can keep track of all of these guys, even if that's supposed to be their job. 409 pitchers have had one relief appearance. So yes. I just wikipedia the list of countries and dependencies by population. <laughs> uh if we if they get to a thousand, they'll catch the Vatican City. They've already blown past the Pitcairn Islands and are closing in on the Cocos Keeling Islands of Australia. So we'll keep an I mean, eye on that as the season progresses. Yeah, there needs to be like a Twitter bot or something that just keeps track of each new reliever who makes the majors and links to some page where we can find out about him just so we can keep track of the massive influx of pitchers no one has ever heard of before. So we're playing this game. Is this reliever currently good? And we're not going to define what good means. We're just going to go with the Justice Potter Stewart definition of whether a season is good. And maybe there will be some cases where it's uh, something you could quibble about, but we'll just we'll just go with the gut. So do you have someone you want to start out with? Yeah, let's start with Ken Giles, because I Giles, legitimately okay. don't know. Mostly I believe, just asking you for guidance. <laughs> I believe Ken Giles is having a good season this year. And I also believe that Luke Gregerson is having a bad season this year. Luke Gregerson is having a very bad season this year. Right. So, so Ken Giles, it doesn't feel like he's like his ERA plus coming into tonight's action, coming into Wednesday night's action. I have no idea what day of the week it is anymore. Um, <laughs> his ERA plus is 101. And like the peripherals mm. aren't substantially different to where they were last year, or they're not that much worse than than uh, at least his second year with the Phillies. But like he's just giving up runs in bunches, and the stuff is not that different. And I'm just not really sure what's going on. But at the same time, like the Astros are 
nobody cares this year as opposed to last year because he didn't blow like his first three save opportunities and there's no closer controversy and the Astros are currently beating the Rangers by 65 runs. So <laughs> like it's you can get away with sort of a mediocre. I mean, that's not even mediocre numbers for a closer like league average is like right. that's not. It's not really acceptable for high no. leverage relievers. The so. average for a ninth inning reliever at this point is like a 1.5 ERA yeah. or something like that. So, yeah, I, I, this, you're right. This is, this is all relative. So, Ken Giles's not so good season would be a pretty good season for some pitchers, but given what he has accomplished in his pre Astros career, I guess, uh, this is not, I would say currently not good, at least, uh, compared to Here, what he has been. Let me give you a couple, and I hope I'm not stepping on any of your your uh, current guides, but uh, would you rather have, let's see who's doing better than he is. Would you rather have Ken Giles or how about his teammate, Will Harris? Hmm. I'd say Will Harris, right? I'd probably say Will Harris too. Much better the last couple of years. Yeah. How about... Giles still struck out 14 guys per nine right. last year. And, well, <laughs> so. I mean, this is the other thing, and we're going to... We're going to come on to this, I imagine, and talk about it in some detail. But like 14 per nine, like Ken Giles looks like prime Brad Lidge. And I wonder Mm -hmm. if just even dating back to his rookie year with the Phillies, if just the strikeout rates for high leverage relievers have gone up so much so quickly that he's been more or less the same and the league is just sort of caught up to him. Mm, Could be. All right. My guy, Joaquim Soria. I was thinking about him. Yeah. Let us say good. Yeah, he's been he's been good. I would I would say he's been good. He actually has almost the same ERA as Ken Giles, but he struck out 12 guys per nine, which is a career high for him, and he has not allowed a home run. He's walked many more guys than he used to. So, it's kind of an edge case if you if you go with the peripherals though. He's been good. He's he's got sub 2 FIP, so I'm going to say something extremely anti-sabermetric, but uh, okay. Joaquim Soria is so proven closer that he makes me believe in his proven closerness no matter what he does. <laughs> like, if you gave me Joaquim Soria and a league average bullpen, I'd probably have him pitch the ninth inning, even if <laughs> like there's a limit to to how rational I'm willing to be about this. So. I hope that it, doesn't undermine the game. Is it just his aura? He gives you the sense I mean, that he's... he's Joaquin Soria. Like, you know, this is what he was, He was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he's still closer to awesome than I would have guessed before. I just took a, a little hunt through the leaderboards. Who you got? Okay. So this is, I mean, this is an easy one. Uh, Corey Knable. Um, oh, obviously, good. he's good now. But mm-hmm. I'm interested in your prognosis of whether he will continue to be good. What do you make of Corey Knable striking out 16.1 batters per nine innings? <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of guys like that. Like there's Brad Peacock who's suddenly striking people out. So without diving deep into the stats, because I haven't, I would say that it's really hard to do that even over what 33 games he's been in 32 and a third innings it's pretty hard to strike out 58 batters in 32 and a third innings without doing something right so i'm gonna say that's 
pretty real. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, the separation between his, the movement and velocity between his fastball and his curveball is so great that you understand very quickly, just looking at his Brooks baseball page, why he's striking out 16 guys for nine. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's always been the case. Like, the velocity and the movement have been yeah. more or less the same throughout his big league career. And this is the first time he's really put it all together. Yeah, he's always throwing hard. He's throwing harder now, it looks like. He's he's up to 97 yeah, on average. Yeah, he's, he's gone up like month by month this year, which is yeah. amusing. Basically, every brewer has been better than you would have expected. Uh, all right, I'm going to go... I probably shouldn't give you a Philly, right? Because you'll know Phillies, but eh, Pat Neshek. I He was on my list. Pat Neshek mm. is good. Pat Neshek is good full <laughs> stop. Yeah, uh, we don't have to look at advanced stats or, or anything with Pat Neshek. He has guile. Uh, He's an American uh, hero. Key member of that bullpen that won the World Baseball Classic. Well, please don't interrogate that <laughs> too much or else you might discover that Sam Dyson was also in that bullpen. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, Pat Neshek, currently the owner of a .75 ERA. Yeah, he's the only good Philly right now, as Cesar Hernandez is is on the, the disabled list for, speaking of guys who are inexplicably good. Mm. Almost 37 years old, Pat Neshek. He's yeah. been with us for a while. I remember him being like kind of old when I was in college. That's how long mm-hmm. he's been around. <laughs> All right. Who's next? So this is actually a question going back to last year, last year at the World Series when the Indians were throwing Brian Shaw, who I was found kind of underwhelming in a lot of high leverage mm-hmm. situations. And Dan Otero put up bonkers yeah. numbers last year. And I, you know, is he just for some reason untrustworthy? He's had a couple extremely good seasons and then he mixed in a really bad season in the middle of those, right? That's my memory of Dan Otero. And I am not aware of him having an extreme season in either direction this year. So I'm going to yeah, say... 365 ERA. Yeah. Okay. That's that's pretty middling. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How about Bud Norris? Not good. I good. Mean, Bud Norris is good now. I guess this is the latest exhibit in is relieving easy relative to starting because Bud Norris was an extremely unsuccessful starter for the last couple seasons. And now he has moved to the bullpen. This is his first year without making a start thus far. And Bud Norris has a 2.59 ERA. He's striking out 11 and a half guys per nine. Bud Norris is a good reliever now. All right. We're going to the Miami Marlins and someone I love because he reminds me of Pam from Archer, Kyle Bearclaw. Kyle Bearclaw is good, I think, right? No, Kyle Bearclaw is bad now. Kyle Bearclaw was good, was really good last year. He was great. Good and fun last year. Yeah. His walk rate right now, he is walking 7.2 batters per nine innings. (laughs) Didn't he walk like six last year? Yeah, close to it, but he's also only striking out 9.5. So it's still still an above average ERA, better than average ERA, but... Yeah, he's not bad. He's he's weird. (laughs) He's walking so many guys. He's walking seven for nine, but he is, well, he's still striking out more than a batter per inning, but not nearly as many as he did last year. But eh, yeah, I guess he's pretty bad, <laughs> but he's, he's a lot of fun. I wanted to see how long he could sustain the walking everyone and striking out everyone, because if you stop doing the latter, you're going to get in trouble yeah, if you keep doing the former. Yeah, he's sustained the walking and, everyone. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. How about Jerry Blevins? Jerry Blevins is always good. Yeah. Jerry Blevins, still good. You can take Blevins to the bank. Yeah. He's like he's like one of those Darren O'Day guys. If if Darren O'Day is ever bad, just cancel the season. I think Darren O'Day's having a little bit of a Oh no. Don't tell me. Oh no, we gotta cancel the season now. <laughs> <laughs> is he? The peripheral still still looked good. Yeah, three eighty six. That's not I mean, that's not O'Day like, but all right. Not Darren O'Day is still good. Okay. We can we can play this. Eleven point two strikeouts yeah, Jerry, per nine. Yeah. Jerry Blevins striking out almost fourteen per nine with a sub two ERA. How many right how many right handed batters does he face this year? He has faced thirty one right handed batters and fifty eight left handed batters. Not a crazy, crazy ratio. Yeah, that's a damning indictment of Terry Collins. <laughs> yes, but an even more ringing endorsement of Jerry Blevins. Yes. All right, Jeremy Jeffress. Oh, I had him on my list too. Okay. So, yeah, Jeremy yeah. Jeffress, bad. Bad. Got worse. Let up back-to-back home runs. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, when uh, just tonight, Jeff Bannister took him out of the game and the Astros fans booed. So that's... <laughs> All right, so I'll go to next on my list, Coda Glover. I mean, he's on the Nationals, so he's okay. bad. Yeah. <laughs> you pick a Nationals reliever other than Matt Albers. Yeah, oddly. right. <laughs> <laughs> he's bad. Okay, yeah, yeah he is bad. I, All right. I, I hold out hope that he may one day become good. But mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely an option. That's almost the point of this game is that from one year to the next, there's just no telling. I've got one guy who was really good early in the season and is now no longer good. Mm. So. How about Brian Densing? Brian Densing. It would really annoy me if he was good. So I'm going to assume that he's good. He's pretty good. He is pretty good. Brian Densing, for some reason, has struck out 35 guys in 29 innings. Get out. And (laughs) Brian Densing, longtime twin. Brian Densing, right, who, and like a jump really, baller, even by twin standards. Yeah, he had he had basically one decent year for the Twins. Uh, two, he had that one good year when he was starting a lot, and then one pretty good year in the bullpen. But he has never been a strikeout artist. But nowadays, almost everyone is. So Brian Densing on the Cubs now, good reliever. All right. J.C. Ramirez. Oh, he's good, right? Is he good? Because I wrote about him when I, yeah, I did my article on new pitches of the year, and he was he brought back his curve from a few years ago, and he was throwing super hard. But this was early April, and I haven't paid close attention to J.C. Ramirez since. So maybe this is the guy that you meant who started out really well and has been bad. I regret to inform you that he is bad again. Oh, no. That was a fun story. Oh, I was enjoying the J.C. Ramirez story. Traded for Cliff Lee once. (laughs) Well, Cliff Lee's pretty bad these days, too. How about Ross Stripling? I really have no idea. Um, (laughs) That's perfectly okay. That is also the premise of this game. He's pinch run a lot. <laughs> I guess he's been good at that. Yeah. No, well, I, I actually don't know. Well, I did see him score a run once. I'm going to say good. Yeah. Yeah. Ross Stripling, pretty good. Another rotation to relief guy and uh, another guy who's got a pretty good strikeout rate going. 315 ERA, even better peripherals. Ross Stripling, pretty good. I wonder if the key to this game is 
if we remember these guys as, as being bad starting pitchers, they're good relievers. And if we remember yes. them being good relievers, then they're bad relievers now. <laughs> that could be. Yeah. Well, now you're just trying to figure out how I'm picking these names. But yes, and we could go with uh, some even more anonymous people. We're we're picking relievers we've heard of. We could very easily start picking That's relievers true. neither of us has ever heard of. How about James Pazos? And there we are, James Pazos. I couldn't tell you a thing about how his season has gone. So I'm going to say good reliever. Good reliever. 222 right. ERA, 10.8 strikeouts per nine innings. Sure. Why not? I'll buy it. All right. Jason Mott. Bad. Because he was, he, I remember him as a good reliever. So he's bad now. Still a good reliever. No. Yeah. 208 ERA. Well, all right. So this is a this is a debatable one. This is a, a very baseball card stats versus sabermetric stats kind of case because he has a, a 2.08 ERA and a five and a half FIP. And uh, his strikeouts are down. His walks are up. So nothing good about Jason Mott's season other than the fact that he hasn't allowed many runs, which is a good thing. Say but, the fact that he's pitching in the major leagues is yeah, pretty remarkable. Yeah. The Braves bullpen is like Jason Mott and Jim, Jim Johnson. <laughs> 13 Jim saves for Jim Johnson. Yeah, Jim Johnson's good. These are guys I think of as being good three or four years ago. They're they're good again, kind of, for the Braves. Okay. How about Trevor Rosenthal? Trevor Rosenthal is good, I think, right? Uh, or he's, he's striking people out? Yeah, he's striking people out. He is bad. Better than he was last year, but worse than the year before that. 380 mm-hmm. ERA, 111 ERA plus, but 15.6 strikeouts per nine innings. So 15.6. My yeah. goodness. 202 FIP. Yeah. All right. I'm going with good on Trevor Rosenthal. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Kelvin Herrera. Okay. So by the rules of this game, <laughs> I remember him being a good reliever, so he's a bad reliever now. That is true. Yeah. Kelvin Herrera, 5.33 ERA this year. 509 FIP. I don't know what's what's wrong with Kelvin Herrera. Actually, I do. He is allowed 2.5 home runs <laughs> per nine innings. So that's not good. All right. Tyler Duffy. Bad? Yeah, he's been pretty good. 8.8 strikeouts okay. per nine, only 1.7 walk, 144 ERA plus. Hmm. I right. remember him as a bad starter, so he's a good reliever now. <laughs> Brett Cecil. Brett Cecil bad. Brett Cecil is bad. Yeah, sort of bad. Pretty bad. Over five ERA, over four and a half FIP. Brett Cecil with the Cardinals now. Very dependable late inning reliever with the Blue Jays for three or four years. And that run seems to have come to an end. I need to pull up the numbers for this one because I was looking at him the other day and I spat out my drink. Uh, Pedro (laughs) Baez. Oh, see, I know this, I think, because you mentioned him in your Power Rankings article. Oh, I did, didn't I? Yeah, you said he'd been good. (laughs) See, I assume you just never read anything, so. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. He's been really Uh, good. He's 095 ERA. Yeah. Yeah, no one looks good compared to Kenley Jensen this year in in that bullpen or any bullpen. (laughs) But but yes. All right. Junichi Tazawa. Ichi Tozawa. We are really getting exposed as not watching the later innings of many Marlins games this year. <laughs> yes, I will um, come to that. This is tough mm-hmm. because he has been if good. If I follow the pattern, the then he'd be bad now, but you've done that like also seven been... times in a row. <laughs> and he's he's also been not so great in the last couple of years. I'm so. going to say good. Terrible. Oh, no. Junichi Tozawa, 6.6 ERA. 
6.91 FIP. Yeah, the the Marlins bullpen, which was vaunted coming into the year. I wrote about how vaunted uh, they were going to be coming into the year. Yeah, Brad Ziegler, of all people, not a good reliever this year. I don't know who to trust anymore. Josh Fields. Darren O'Day, at least. Yeah. Josh Fields. This one comes courtesy of uh, Ryan O'Hanlon, my editor. Bad? Good. Very good, in fact. Mm. An even 11K per nine, 1.78 walks per nine, 178 ERA. It's no Tommy Canely. No. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. All right. Tom Wilhelmson. He's been bad, right? He's been pretty bad. Yeah, I would. eh, Yeah, I'd say pretty bad. He's struck out 5.8 per nine, four and a half ERA, five plus FIP. Yeah, he's been pretty bad. He was one of those guys who was a good like I'm I'm surprised he's still in the big leagues because he seemed like one of those guys who would be like a good human interest story and then mm-hmm. throw like 35 innings in the majors. And here he is, you know, five years later, still kicking around. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going with Internet Hero, four plus pitches, Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly. I think I looked at his stats recently and he had been good, but still not missing many bets. Is that right? Yes, that is precisely it. 132 ERA, 6.6K per nine. (laughs) Joe Kelly not striking people out is one of the great mysteries of our time. And four walks per nine, too. Like the mystery, the mystery to me is not how he's doing that with a 132 ERA. It's how he's doing that with a FIP under three. Right. (laughs) Joe Kelly has always been weird in in some way. I guess maybe he's just a straight, flat, fastball kind of guy. Not not a good spin rate guy, even though he has the velo. He's also not big like those guys with the the straight fastball. If if you're not getting on top of it, then you're Mm going to get hit all over the park, except in, you know. Except if you're Joe Kelly. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll give you one more. Mike Miner. Mike Miner. Oh, I looked at him and he's been mm-hmm. pretty good. He has. Mike Miner. Who who knew Mike Miner was in a bullpen this year? Probably some people did, but Mike Miner hasn't been in the big league since 2014. And now here he is dominant in the Royals bullpen. I mean, he's an injury-prone former Brave, so that's yes. where where they go. They turn into good relievers for the Royals. All right. And also former starter, so yeah. by the rule. Yeah. All right. Last one for me, Jonathan Holder, former Mississippi State College World Series hero. Yeah. So the entire Yankees bullpen has been pretty good, and he was a guy with great minor league stats, and so stat heads liked him coming into this year. But my sense is that he has not quite fulfilled those expectations. Is he kind of okay? Yeah. I'd yeah. say even a tick better than kind of okay. Not like Dellen Batanzas good, but a strikeout sure. inning, ERA just under three. I say that's that's pretty yeah. good for that's pretty is good. He a six round pick? I don't know not, that yeah. <laughs> that information. Six round pick. So <laughs> Okay. All right. Shall we close with an Aaron Judge minute? Just because you wrote about him this week Again. and every week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've written about Aaron Judge this year. Uh, Roger Sherman, who rarely writes about baseball for us, has written about Aaron Judge this year. What's your outlook? Where do you rank him for just, say, the rest of this year? Well, just a couple of weeks ago, I said I'd rather have Michael Conforto than him. Yes. Um, Thing is, he is, he's gotten better 
progressively better. In April, he was right. the, the phenomenon, and we all said, oh, the, the league will adjust, and he's a big guy, and he's got a big strike zone, and they'll find the holes, and And I that still didn't believe happen. that to a certain extent. Like, it's... Well, he was even better in May, and then I think has been even better than that in June. Basically has shown zero decline whatsoever. Jeff Sullivan wrote something about him for ESPN about how pitchers seem to have tried everything against him thus far. Like, They've gone through periods where they were throwing him lots of fastballs and then not throwing him lots of fastballs and throwing him high and throwing him low and in and out. And during every one of those periods, he slugged like 660 or yeah. whatever. So there just hasn't really been any weakness at all thus far. The thing about him, and I think Buster only tweeted something along the lines of he's hitting over 500 on balls he gets his bat on. And that mm-hmm. includes home runs and that includes his BABIP, which is somewhere around 400. And I think that, I mean, that speaks to, it's hard to project a guy who is actually unique in the literal sense of the word rather than the yeah. colloquial sense of the word. Cause he's just, he hits the ball harder than anybody we've ever seen before. So he mm-hmm. doesn't have to, I mean, he could strike out a lot and still be a really incredible hitter. Cause just cause of how hard he hits the ball, I don't even know what his home run fly ball rate is going to stabilize at. And, you know, a high 300s BABIP is not out of the question either. So that that Mm -hmm. covers up a lot of mistakes. He just doesn't chase either. So if he were chasing but somehow making lots of contact, then I could buy that maybe that would stop. But since he seems to have learned not to swing at balls, I just don't know how you can ever get him out. I mean... Obviously, there will come a time when he makes a few outs here and there, but just nothing about what he's done thus far other than the fact that no one expected this sort of instant success or even eventual success. Nothing other than that makes you think that there's anything super unsustainable about what he has done thus far. Yeah. Well, the other thing is one of my favorite... uh things on the internet is pictures of large people next to pictures of small people. Like I've gone right. back to that Nate Fryman, Jose Altuve <laughs> yeah. picture more times than I can account more times than I can count. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was watching a, a Yankees angels game the other day and he stand, he walked and was standing on first base next to CJ Crone, who I've stood next to. And CJ Crone is yeah, enormous <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and Aaron judge is just towering over CJ Crone. It's yeah. like, it's like a, a seeing a picture of an oil tanker next to an aircraft carrier. <laughs> and like you don't think there's anything bigger than this one thing. And then holy shit, there's a thing that's bigger than the thing. Yeah. And it's just really <laughs> disconcerting. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know what else there is for me to write about him. So somebody else should, you know, it's next time. Next time. Uh, just tag me or, in again. Right. Next time orders come down the pipe that we need to write about Aaron Judge again. It's, it's your turn. <laughs> Yeah, he's even a good outfielder. That just doesn't seem fair. Right, like that's the like. It's not just him. It's like all these huge guys who are like they shouldn't be able to move this well for being mm-hmm. that big. You know, you think of guys who are six eight, and you think of, I mean, NBA centers are bigger than this, but you know, baseball players who are that big tend to run like NBA centers. Just something looks off, and it doesn't look off with with Judge. It just looks like you like blew up a normal person and. <laughs> It's, I mean, he's really good, but also he's really weird, which sort of puts him in, in our weird wheelhouse. Yeah. Like 
Frank Howard had the same sort of build and was a great hitter with great power, but he couldn't field, which, you know, is sort of what you would expect for a guy that large. And yet Judge is every bit the hitter or better and every bit the sizable human being and yet is seemingly a a good all-around player too. Yeah, I'd still, I still do want to be a little bit cautious about him because good as he's been, he hasn't been in the majors for a full year yet. So yeah, there are just certain skills that he has that it's clear that he has. Yeah, we've never seen (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's breaking the batted ball record. I mean, the stat cast era goes all the way back to... (laughs) 2015. Yeah, the ringer's been around almost as long as stat cast has. So let's, you know, let's cool it with using the word era. But still, he's breaking that record like every three weeks. Yeah, I mean, you only need to see like one Aaron Judge batted ball to know that he has the ability to hit balls really hard. There There was one in that Orioles series that he hit out and like... The ball just disappeared. Like he, <laughs> like he put the, like he, he swung the bat and made in like you could see up to the point where he makes contact. And the ball's just out of the frame, and yeah. I'm just <laughs> like even like Stanton doesn't do stuff like that. It's incredible. I know Stanton. It's old news now. We've got a even bigger, even harder hitting outfielder. I'm gonna have to start calling him the mighty Aaron Judge. Yeah, I think you probably should. All right, so we will leave it there and we'll be back with another episode on Monday. Talk to you then. For a great shave at a great price, join Dollar Shave Club. New members get their first month of the Executive Razor and a tube of Dr. Carver's Shea Butter for only $5 with free shipping. After that, razors are just a few bucks a month. That's a $15 value for only 5 bucks. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash MLBshow.